This is part two of our two-part look at New York's prompt outcry rule. We'll begin this part with discussing what prompt means in terms of a child victim's outcry statement. Next, we'll look at what the outcry witnesses can testify to at trial and how many outcry witnesses can testify at the trial. And finally, we'll examine some additional theories for admitting victims' complaints of being sexually assaulted as prior consistent statements. Welcome back, I'm Paul Stein. To help our friends in need You can't count on me Like one, two, three I'll be there And I know when I need it I can count on you Like four, three, two And you'll be there Cause that's what friends are supposed to Children are given more leeway to make delayed complaints that will be considered prompt outcries for several reasons. Children are often victimized in the home by authority figures who threaten them or bribe them not to disclose the abuse. Children can be abused outside of the home by other authority figures like teachers, babysitters, camp counselors, coaches, and clergy, etc. Moreover, children are likely to delay reporting their abuse because they're unaware of available options. And often kids don't understand what is happening to them or even that it is wrong. In instances where a parent is the abuser, they can be fearful of upsetting the non-offending parent or destroying the family. Thus, kids can be intimidated or manipulated to keep secrets in ways that we wouldn't expect would work on adults or teens. So with that in mind, let's look at cases of delayed outcry in cases with child victims. Now the first example is from People versus Stuckey from the First Department in 2008. Here, the child's outcry three days after the last incident and at the end of a two-year course of sexual conduct was properly admitted, where it established that the outcry was made at the first suitable opportunity, and the child was finally able to disclose the abuse after a school presentation on inappropriate touching helped her overcome her fear of her father, who was the abuser. In the second example, a case from the fourth department from 2004, People versus Peckham, Testimony of the victim's grandfather with respect to the child victim's revelation of abuse was admissible pursuant to the prompt outcry rule despite being 15 days after the abuse, where the evidence demonstrated that the complaint was made at the first suitable opportunity. In the third example, from People v. Prada, the Court of Appeals case, a six- or seven-year-old child victim's disclosure to her minor cousin made weeks after the defendant sodomized her, but before the ongoing sexual abuse ended, was sufficiently prompt. Now, these next two examples deal with reports that weren't made for years. And in the first case, this is People v. Evangelista from the Second Department in 2017. Here, the trial court permitted testimony concerning one of the defendant's victim's first outcries to her parents, which was four and a half years after the abuse had ended. Now, according to the victim, the abuse occurred around the time of her seventh birthday. Under all of the circumstances of this case, the court wrote, including the victim's young age, the ongoing and familial relationship between the victim and the defendant, the defendant's warning not to tell anyone, and the victim's fear of making the complaint sooner, the trial court properly admitted the evidence of the victim's outcry to her parents. So that was four and a half years after the abuse. See also there's another case from the second department, this one from 2019 called People versus Gross, where an eight-year-old child disclosed abuse that had been going on since she was four years old. Okay, so now we know what promptness means, at least according to the courts, let's talk about what the testimony of outcry is limited to. 
So although the prompt outcry may be testified to by both the victim and the person or persons who heard the complaint, the testimony must be limited to the mere fact of the complaint and cannot include the details of the conversation. Thus, for example, the victim's mother's testimony that her daughter reported being, quote, bothered, attacked, and molested, unquote, did not exceed the allowable level of detail in outcry testimony. That's from People v. McDaniel, a Court of Appeals case from 1993. So outcry testimony may not contain any particulars of the crime, unless, of course, it satisfies another exception to the hearsay rule. Some of those exceptions are excited utterances, present sense impressions, or prior consistent statements that are used to rebut a claim of recent fabrication. Some of these statements are in 911 calls or statements to medical professionals or first responders. Now, outcry testimony can be used to describe the victim's demeanor and physical condition at the time the victim makes the outcry. And this can be very compelling evidence at trial. In the example above, the outcry witness could also testify that the daughter was crying and appeared shaken and disheveled when she made the disclosure. Okay, we're doing great. We now know what promptness means, at least as far as the courts are concerned, and we have a boundary for the outcry testimony itself. But our next question is, is there a limit to the number of outcry witnesses that can testify? Now, there is no case that's put a limit on the number of outcry witnesses as long as each outcry is considered prompt. Some courts may deem this evidence as duplicative or cumulative and start striking your outcry witnesses. But let's look at a couple of examples. Four outcry witnesses was found to be okay in People v. Gomez, 112 AD 2nd at 445. And five outcry witnesses were okay in People v. Williams, 181 AD 2nd. And multiple police officers could testify about the victim's outcry in People v. McRae. That's from the third department. But in 2009, the third department, in a case called People v. Caba, found that the victim's version of events was repeatedly bolstered by statements she reportedly made to various people well after the time frame that could be considered as a prompt outcry. And these statements did not otherwise fall within a recognized exception to the rule against bolstering through the use of prior consistent statements to attempt to strengthen a witness's credibility. So Caba finds two problems. One, the statements weren't prompt. And two, it was impermissible bolstering by use of a prior consistent statement. So the decision in Kaaba brings me to my final point, and that's prompt outcries as prior consistent statements. Now, as far back as the Father O'Sullivan case of 1887, courts have recognized that the outcry of a victim is a prior consistent statement of that victim. And prior consistent statements are admissible to answer a defense theory that the victim's claims are recent fabrication. Now, recent fabrication are things such as she made it up because the defendant broke up with her, or the hell hath no fury as a woman scorned. These are popular defense tactics in rape cases. When those defenses arise, the people may be able to show that the victim made the same allegation prior to trial as she did at trial. It shows that she is consistent in her complaint, and thus is an indication of her credibility, and that she's not just some crazy, jilted ex-girlfriend, which is what the defense wants you to believe. With respect to outcry statements, then, the Court of Appeals in a recent line of cases, including People v. Ludwig at 24 New York 3rd, People v. Gross at 26 New York 3rd, and People v. Hungerin at 29 New York 3rd, is moving towards allowing outcry statements to be admitted under multiple theories, as prior consistent statements to rebut recent fabrications, 
also to demonstrate prompt outcry and to shore up the victim's credibility, and also to complete the narrative of the investigation. Now, the Court of Appeals in Hungarian said, while it is generally improper to introduce testimony that the witness had previously made prior consistent statements to bolster the witness's credibility, the use of prior consistent statements is permitted to demonstrate prompt outcry, rebut a charge of recent fabrication, or to assist in explaining the investigative process and completing the narrative of events leading to the defendant's arrest. Indeed, in People v. Ludwig, the court goes on to say, we acknowledge that New York courts have routinely recognized that nonspecific testimony about a child victim's reports of sexual abuse does not constitute improper bolstering when offered for the relevant non-hearsay purpose of explaining the investigative process. So if the victim's complaint is not prompt enough to be a prompt outcry, you may want to consider offering it under a theory of explaining the investigative process and completing the narrative of events leading to the defendant's arrest, or to answer a defense of recent fabrication. Now, the Court of Appeals seems okay with this. Now, indeed, former Court of Appeals Judge Robert Smith in People v. Rosario, as well as in a subsequent Albany Law Review article, proposed doing away with the O'Sullivan prompt outcry rule. Instead, Judge Smith proposed Quote, when a victim testifies to an act of rape or sexual abuse, every disclosure of the alleged crime by the victim before it was reported to the authorities should be admissible, subject, of course, to a trial court's normal power to exclude evidence that is repetitive, unnecessarily inflammatory, or otherwise prejudicial. Now, Judge Smith further notes that these prior consistent hearsay statements have something that other hearsay statements lack, and that is that the declarant is in court and available for cross-examination. So we've seen now that New York's outcry rule is founded on some outdated beliefs of how a victim of sexual assault should react. Yet since 1887, outcry testimony has been recognized as valuable evidence in sexual assault cases. It can be used to demonstrate the victim's credibility as well as her emotional state at the time of the disclosure. But recent decisions are providing a little more flexibility to this classic rule, making it important to analyze the circumstances of the outcry evidence in your case to determine how to introduce it at trial. Now don't forget that when you're analyzing the outcry, to consider other theories of admitting the victim's statement, including traditional hearsay exceptions, such as excited utterances, present sense impressions, and statements for medical diagnosis and treatment. And finally, if there is a problematic delay in your outcry statement, all is not lost. Consider theories such as rebutting the defense of recent fabrication and offering it under a theory of explaining the investigative process and completing the narrative of events leading to the defendant's arrest. Both theories are approved by the Court of Appeals. Oh, and one more thing. Give Judge Smith's Law Review article a read. It's interesting and it's not long, and it's in the June 2013 Albany Law Review, and it's called How the Prompt Outcry Rule Protects the Guilty. Well, that's it for now. Until next time, I'm Paul Stein. I'll keep you